learning things. And so what we're doing, um, you guys can see, we're, we're, we're uh, done a ton of work, is trying to make this a better environment for us as our church family and the sound to the, the, the setting. And so just want to thank you guys, particularly if you came and volunteered. Um, we did a, a church cleanup two weeks ago. I think it was on March 16th or a week ago. A week ago? It feels like two months ago. But I just want to thank you because an amazing crew came out and just really donated your time. It was just really generous with your skills and talents. And we discovered all these handy men and women that uh, we, we just, man, it's, just, it's been really ble- a blessing to be able to, to see that happen. And also this week of just all the work being done. So thank you guys so much for everyone who's, who's helping and for your patience. And, uh, you know, the, the, the forward movement is for us to become uh, a better level of excellence even in our our time together on a Sunday at CSSM and our meeting places here. So are you guys okay? You guys are you guys good? Can okay. I just can I interject <laughs> you have a mic. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, stand up. You know sometimes have you ever have you ever found that God'll speak to you in somebody else's voice? For a moment I'm like, Jesus is that and I was like, no, Mary actually had the mic. I'm really not trying to get attention today. I just want you to know that. I just wanted to say um, it'll probably be another, like, month before we really get, uh, like, we're getting more sound dampeners and things like that. Um, So the sound might be a little wonky to you. So if you need earplugs, it's okay. We're, We're working through things. So will you guys just give us grace for another month? as we work through things and still keep coming and don't be like, worship's too crazy, I can't come. Like, I'm just going to live stream. No, I want you here. So be with me through this awkward moment, okay? Yes, Mary? Okay. Thank you, Mary. Just, just hold the mic just so that you can just, just be ready to just be ready. You guys want to hear some testimonies? You know what? I I have recently really kind of made it a practice that I just try to absorb as much from this wall as I can in those moments, maybe before church or after, or just kind of a, you know, a moment of time, you know, when you're around the building. And I have found what a difference and benefit is making. And so this is a testimony wall, and these are uh, cards, and there's actually uh, next to the testimony wall. You can't see if you're back there, but in this alcove here on the left, to the, the left wall in this front alcove is a little bin with cards and pens. And so we want you, we, like, we want to share and celebrate the testimony of the Lord. And so as you guys have testimonies, don't wait for, like, a testimony day. Like, just go ahead and write it because we draw from this stuff. We actually have our healing rooms are starting to incorporate this, uh, the people coming in of reading them. And, and we're just so excited about what God's doing. And so um, a couple of testimonies that, man, I was just reading today, and they just blessed me. So are you guys ready? Okay, so when we read a testimony, just know this is legal precedent for it to happen to you. Because God is not a respecter of persons. What he will do for one, he will do for another. If you're trying to earn that that thing from the Lord, then you will never be a receiver. You just freely receive. You guys ready? So this one was, I've had pain in my side after getting my gallbladder removed. And one night at CSSM, it got, it got called, someone called it out, and, uh, and healing was released, and I was totally healed from pain from a gallbladder removal. This one is, God healed me of uh, migraines I suffered for 15 years. No one prayed for me. I just felt fire on my neck and have never had one since. It's been over a year. 
This is one, um, I went to bed frustrated with God. God asked me if I was ready to let him love me yet. I said I wasn't sure. Later, during a message from Pastor Jim, I heard God ask again. I teared up and said yes to him in a whisper. Afterward, we did a fire tunnel, and I kept my eyes closed the whole time. I felt hot breath on my cheek at least twice. Then I heard God begin to whisper those little pet names that he calls me. At the end of the fire tunnel, I physically felt someone taller than me reach down and kiss me. No one actually did that. She just felt it. Let's just be really clear. This isn't like new protocols to do a fire tunnel. <laughs> kiss me on my forehead. I immediately felt something within me melt, and I let go. And I laid on my face and wept for the longest time. God's love swept over me, and I knew I was loved. For the first time in a long time, I felt safe, and I haven't been the same since. You know, I, I love discovering what God's doing because we think that we know until we don't know. Like, we think that we know until we get new information. And then we actually discover what God is doing. How many of you found that you can start thinking one thing and it's out of alignment with God and then you discover what God is doing and it actually begins to change the way you think? That, that, that you might think, oh, God doesn't heal. Well, you never read the testimony wall in here, Right? In our thoughts, we think something, and it's up to an encounter for experience to happen. Does this make sense? And so, so I just want to touch on that this morning um, briefly, is, is what happens when our minds begin to become renewed? You know, in Romans 12.1, it says that, that, that be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can approve, test, and recognize the will of God. Meaning this, that as our minds are renewed, Biblically, in the kingdom, we actually start to follow God with ease. We actually start to recognize what is God and what is not. How many of you know we need help recognizing what is God and what is not? Some, a situation occurs, someone's sick. What is God, what is not? What is God's response to that circumstance or situation? What is not? that the renewing of our mind actually connects us to walking in the Spirit. And so you, you've, if you come to CSSM, um, if you haven't come to CSSM, you need your mind renewed and you need to just start coming. But uh, we start tonight and, and uh, you're more than welcome to come and check it out and kick the tires on it and you, there's no commitment. Um, but it, usually if you come once, you, you'll probably get pretty hooked. Um, and, and so... You know, at CSSM, we say this a lot, is that, is that you're created, if you've never heard this, you want to write this down, is that you're created to be loved and you're anointed for purpose. It's, it's, it's two sides of the same coin, that you're created to be loved, but you're anointed for purpose. You're created to be loved and you're anointed for purpose. And what happens often is that we tend to either camp at one of those places or the other. And today, I just want to bring together both of those lanes. I want to I see a more of a merger of that in my life, a more of a merger of that in Christian community, more of a merger of that reality on a regular basis. 
You know, I've heard it say that you are the average, I don't know if I totally believe this, but I like the idea, is that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I spend a lot of time with Jesus and Holy Spirit and Father. So really, there's just like one or two more people in my life who I can, I can allow in. No, but think about that. The five people that you spend the most time with, typically, you're going to be, they say that, that your personality, your traits, your behavior, even your character is influenced so much that you, bec- you, you begin to become the average of that. So who are the people that you spend the most time with? Like, who are the people in your life that when you're around them, you actually walk away feeling different? Maybe you don't get to spend a lot of time with them, but who is someone in your life that you get around? They might not know that they're doing this to you, right? That they might not know that they're influencing you the way that they are. Oswald Chambers said, the person you're influencing the most, you don't know it. So I just want you to take a moment and think, who, is, who are two people that when you get around them, when you rub shoulders with them, maybe you just have a conversation, maybe they're a really close friend, or maybe it's someone, you know, we're not really close, but every time I'm around them, I just get encouraged. Every time I'm around them, I feel like something inside of me becomes bigger. So who are, who are two or three of those people? You know, if you have four or five, I just got to start hanging out with you because I, I need more of those people in my life. But who are two or three of those people? So go ahead. We're just going to do this for, for about one minute. Is two or three of those people, just go ahead with people around you, just a couple folks around you, turn around, say hi to one another, and share, like, who is that person, at least one or two of those people, and what do you feel like when, when, you're, when you hang around them? What happens inside of you? Does that make sense? Pastor Jim is totally fair game. You can say Pastor Jim's the best. He just... Pastor Jim will be back next week, but go ahead and and just begin to share. So we're just going to take two or three minutes. Who is two or three people in your life, and what do they make you feel like when when, when you're around them, who make you feel bigger? Make sure no one's alone. Introduce yourself. Say hey to someone. just another minute or two. Make sure each person gets a chance to share who is that person and how they make you feel.
All right, if you guys want to wrap up, it sounds like most of you are coming to an end there. How many of you know that, that community plays a really big role in the level of our minds being renewed? That you're not, you're not supposed to go read the Bible, close the door, and get your mind renewed. Some of you are like, wait, what church are we at? I thought that's like what we do. No, you're not supposed to go alone for mind renewal. You're actually supposed to be brought out into community for the mind renewal to actually have a place to manifest. That you're not called to live alone. You're not called to live this isolated thing. You're actually called, like, like you're called to influence and be influenced by others. Am I connecting with you guys yet so far today? Like you're called to be influenced and influenced by others. And our minds play such a really big role as to what that looks like. Open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. Open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 5. I just want to land on this, on this verse real quick. It says this. If you turn around quick enough, you can almost see yourself, you know. I'll read from, from here because I know that it might, might be a little bit delayed. It says this. First Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If you never underline that, underline verse 5 in your Bibles. We, we demolish arguments and every pretension, that every lofty thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus. We can probably just put our hands on our heads and say amen and close the service. How many of you have had an argument in your mind and you, you begin to carry something and it actually does something toxic to your heart? Like you begin, you begin to build a case against a person or a situation and it be, actually begins to do, like your, your heart becomes toxified. And you start, you start leaking that on people in your life that have nothing to do with even what you're thinking about. How many know, can relate to what I'm talking about? You know, the Apostle Paul here, he sets us up for success. Because like, listen, before we had Jesus, before Christ, you were a victim. You, you were a slave of thinking. You were a slave of thoughts. You had no authority over your thoughts. Do you know that? That you were a slave to it. That actually says this is where the enemy comes into our lives to steal, destroy, to deceive now in Jesus, just follow me for this train of thought for a moment. Now in Christ, it actually says that you now have a door that you can answer. That before, everyone just comes in your house. Can you imagine if you didn't have a door to your front, to your house, to your apartment, to where you live, and, and people just come in and out? Can you imagine? I mean, if the mailman just comes in and just puts your mail on your, you know, your desk, on your, on, your, on your table, on your living room floor. If your neighbor just kind of walks in, opens up the fridge, kind of like writes something on the thing, drinks some stuff, puts it down, walks away. If you have cats in your neighborhood, they're just coming in. <laughs> Could you imagine? 
You know, this is what our thinking, our, this is what our thought life is before Jesus, that we have no door, that everything that comes in, we have to live with. We have to sort through. Now in Christ, it says, you've been given authority. It says that you've been given a spirit of what? Of a sound mind. It says that you've been given now authority over your mind, where once you were weak-minded, where once everything that came in, you had to like react to, adjust, or respond, or have, this make sense, or, or connect with. Now it says this. Now because you have authority and Jesus lives inside of you as a believer, now thoughts come and you, are now, you now are at the door saying, do I want this to come in or not? Because I can tell this thought, no. Where before, I, I, I had no door. I had no door. It just comes in. Now I take every thought captive. Not, not every thought captive. Meaning that now I have a door and I get to stand by and say, no way, you're not coming in. You, you cannot come in here. But how many of you know the thoughts will be knocking? The same things will come to your door, will come to your mind, will come to your thoughts. But now you are no longer a slave. See, what the devil is trying to do is think you are still a slave to thinking. See, he wants you to believe that you're still a victim of thoughts, that you can't control them. And to strip you of your authority. Because, man, if you've ever come with like Steve Wendy Backlund, we are so grateful for the message that they carry. Because why? They set us up for success in life by recognizing that our thoughts impacts our beliefs and our beliefs impact our lives. If you start thinking the wrong thing, your life, your inner world becomes toxic like that. And it starts with the small thought. How many of you found that? It starts, sometimes it starts with, with absence of communication. I'll give you an example. So I was away, I was, I was somewhere where I couldn't get uh, cell phone reception and I just didn't connect to emails and I was gone for like three or four days and uh, I had someone reach out to me with what, something that they felt was like really pressing and urgent. So they reached out to me and, and were like, hey, I need to speak with you, this is really important. Well, I didn't, I didn't get that until about five days later. And so I opened my email, and there is just, there's a couple communications here from someone that they really need to get a hold of me. And so as soon as I saw that, I was able to reach out to them. I was like, you know, hey, what's going on? And they were like, you, got, you have some nerve calling me. I'm like, are you okay? Like, yeah, I just read your email. I was like, what's going on? Well, they built up this whole case as to me, the absence of communication, a little bit of silence, they built up a case that I was against them. Does this make sense? that I wasn't caring for them, that I didn't care about them, that, that, that there was this disconnect, and they allowed thoughts to come in and actually build a case against me. Does this make sense? And I'm like, I'm just like away doing something, I'm like, I, like, I, like, I actually like you. Like, I don't have any issues with you. Like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, you know what's going on. And it took, it took a good hour conversation just to, for that person to recognize, I've been believing lies. You see, we do that where, where we, we tend to think, what we tend to do is we tend to, to connect to a thought that feels righteous. That self-righteousness begins to build because you're like, no, that's wrong. I know that they should have contacted me. This makes sense? I know that they should have contacted me. That is wrong, so I have a good case here. It's a biblical case. It's awesome. I can't wait to give them some truth. <laughs> See, what happens is we connect to thoughts that make us feel really righteous, and what happens? We turn self-righteous. 
So we need to take we need to take captive every single thought that comes through. It's amazing how quickly your thoughts can control you or you control your thoughts. It's amazing how quickly, you know what, you can let that, that, little, that little thought, that little void begin to build a case that grows like this exponentially. And we become slaves to that way of thinking. We become slaves in our bodies and we begin to release toxicity to people around us. But I have some really good news for us as believers. We have authority to take the thought captive. And we have authority to find thoughts that shouldn't be there and remove them instantly. You don't have to go on a 10-year journey. You don't have to go on a five-week journey, on a five-day thing of, like, I just need to, like, work on forgiveness. No, you either do it or you don't. No, no, you either take that thought out and you repent or you don't. You, you, you either, does this make sense? You either step into that place of owning your thoughts or you don't. And as believers, we have authority to take those weeds out. Why? So that we can actually see and recognize and manifest the will of God on earth. You know, taking our thoughts captive, is a, there's a direct connection to the level that we take our thoughts captive and the level of intimacy with who God is in our lives. Because Toxic thoughts will rob you of intimacy with Jesus. How many of you found that to be the case? Just toxic thinking robs you of intimacy. And you can go into a worship service and shababa, you know, who shababa, shababa, more Lord, more Lord. But inside, I'm actually still have something against someone in my mind. I have news for you. You have to let that go in order to encounter Jesus. Otherwise, you're just going to encounter religion to make yourself feel okay. How many of you know when we, go before, when we go before the Lord, he knows you. He knows your thoughts. It actually says that David would pray this prayer in the Psalms. God, test me. Know my anxious thoughts and lead me in the way everlasting. Meaning if there's stuff here that I'm even unaware of that's operating, God, you know it, so put your hand on it and then lead me out of it. Lead me into freedom. Lead me into truth because he knows you. How many of you found you can't fool God? You can't fool Jesus. He made you. He knows your thoughts. And our disconnection from him and our thinking creates a deficit of intimacy with him. Are you guys okay? John 1, I'm going to read you guys this, this story real quick in John 1, and then we're actually going to kind of round third here and bring it home. So John chapter 1, verse 43 it says this, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. This is Jesus calling in his disciples and gathering, gathering uh, the 12. He says, finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one who Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I didn't know if they had the verses up there. I wasn't trying to catch myself. <laughs> Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Are you guys with me? You guys good? Verse 47. Come and see, said Philip. Verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. 
Okay. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I, I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and angels of God descending and ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I love this story about Nathaniel because it actually says in verse 47, this was Jesus when he called him out. He said, Nathaniel's approaching and Jesus points to him and says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. In whom there is no toxic thought about me. There is no deceit. There's nothing inside of him that was going to hinder intimacy. And what happens? Jesus says this. He says, Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Wait, how do you know me? I've never, I didn't, I've never seen you face to face. How do you know me? And then Jesus reveals, I saw you when Philip called you while you were under the tree. And because of that, one word of knowledge, what was Nathaniel's response? Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. You see, because there was no deceit, the slightest breeze from Jesus changed Nathaniel's life. In him there is no deceit. That that little intimacy that Jesus was passing, see, Jesus did this with other people, and they were like, I don't know if I can follow you. See, he told them things, and like, he's like, I don't know if I can follow you. With Nathaniel, he says, how did you know me? I saw you over there before you came here. And because there was no deceit, it unlocked a level of intimacy, and his eyes became clear to see who Jesus really was. Am I making sense? Are we connecting the dots? That because there was no deceit, he was able to have an elevated sense of intimacy where the others around him, Jesus would walk around for the next three and a half years proclaiming, and people were like, I don't really know if you're the son of God. Because there was no deceit in him, this whisper from God, he's like, I will follow you. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And then it's amazing that Jesus actually responds to Nathaniel because of Nathaniel's hunger. Jesus says, you think, you believe just because I did this. You're going to see angels ascending and descending. You're going to see an open heaven over the son of God? No, over the son of man. Meaning Jesus was even telling Nathaniel, like, you think this is awesome? You just wait to see what I'm going to make available for sons of men. An open heaven, angels ascending and descending on him. Does this make sense? That he even, like, he unlocked a secret that I'm not sure Jesus was ready, but it was because of Nathaniel's response that Jesus was just like, okay, I got some more good stuff you don't even know about yet. Like, I don't even know if it, Jesus was ready to say all that yet, but he did because Nathaniel said, this, this little, there is no deceit. And a little breeze from your mouth, a little bit of revelation from you, I'm going to unlock the storehouse of heaven of intimacy. And Jesus says, you're going to see an open heaven. I'm going to give you what you're going to see on me is what's available to sons of men. Angels are sending and ascending an open heaven on the son of man. So he is actually telling Nathaniel a secret that no one else knew yet. Because in him, there is no deceit. That actually, you will find that Nathaniel was a devout, a devout Jew, and he was, that was part of praying, was going under the fig tree, going under a tree and resting in God and actually doing your prayers in that place. That he actually purposely pursued God in his mind. Does this make sense? So when we, when we 
when we begin to, to, to proactively take our thoughts captive, we actually begin to move into intimacy without even trying to move into intimacy. Does this make sense? That you might say, man, I just, I just really need to connect with Father God. You know what? Sit there then and take some thoughts captive. Because the level of presence in this world, the, the, the earth is full of the glory of God. He is available right now, and you're either, your thoughts are going to contain you, or they're going to release you into his presence. Does this make sense? How many of you found this, that we need to know God's thoughts? Because when we, when we take captive our thoughts, we're launched into intimacy with him. And you're created to be loved, and you're anointed for purpose. Why is that really important? It's, it's important because what you do with how much you're loved is what we will call anointing. That what you do with God on your life is what we will call anointing. And that you're not called just to be loved. You're called to actually be a revelation of who God is. That you're called to be a revelation of who God is in the world. It says of Jesus that that he went around doing good. It says that he would only do what he saw his father doing. And Jesus perfectly fulfilled the will of God on earth. But he only did what he saw his father doing. Have you ever thought about that? Like, did Jesus ever, like, see what his father's doing and then, like, come up with his own plan? Or, like, did he, like, how did Jesus stay so connected to God and accomplish more than anyone's ever accomplished on the earth? It says in the book of John that if all the things that were written about Jesus were written in books, the world would not have enough room to contain them. So we see this connection between being perfectly loved, being created to be loved, and out of that place of intimacy, out of that place of taking our thoughts captive and unlocking us into intimacy, we actually begin to move in what the Bible will call anointing. We begin to actually move in our purpose. I had a CSSM student recently ask me a question, and I'm going to close with this. It says, they said, when exactly did Jesus know the plan of the Father to send Jesus to the cross? A pretty, that's a pretty good theological question. I almost deferred to Pastor Jim. So when did Jesus know the plan of the Father to send Jesus to the cross? I responded to her. I said, this is a long, comprehensive theological response. It deserves uh, more time than I can give right now. But here's a summary of it. The plan of the cross was God's plan before creation of the world. It says in Revelation 13.8 that the lamb who was slain before the creation of the world indicating that Jesus saw this before he ever would walk through it. The event of the cross rings through the halls of the Bible from Genesis, where it says that he will crush your head and you will strike his heel, referring to Jesus and and the devil, to Revelation, where we see the throne room day and night worshiping the lamb who was slain. Are you guys with me? Jesus didn't have to turn to God and discover the Holy Spirit's plan. He was born of the Spirit. He carried him, he carried with him the purpose and plans of the cross that were being revealed through Moses, David, and the prophets. It all pointed to Jesus and the cross. But few recognized it, and the few hints and clues of those who did, God revealed it to those who he revealed it to. But there were few who caught the clues, who, who, who caught the breath, who caught the wind of the Lord and, and pulled that thread. And God revealed it to Moses, to David, and there, there's, there's a few that he did. 
But Jesus was the one who was writing it and showed up on the scene carrying every word to completion. He and the Father are one, and he perfectly co-labored with him step by step, living a loving and sinless life, perfectly yielded to his voice. So to answer your question, he always knew. And by living perfectly intimate with his Father, he perfectly fulfilled the plan one step at a time. Why do I read that? Because we take our thoughts captive, and we get our eyes back on Jesus We move in the steps and the plans that God has for us one step at a time. We move in the purpose that God has for us as we discover what he's been writing out over our lives the whole time. Our ability to take thoughts captive unlocks intimacy, which leads us into the purpose and plans of God in our life. If you feel like, man, I just, I I need to rediscover that that place of purpose and plans on my life. I need to discover that place of, of intimacy. We'll start by looking at what am I allowing into my house that's producing toxicity? Because you're going to need to know and to recognize and discern what is from heaven and what is from the devil in your thinking. Because there are some trials that we read that actually says trials are there so that perseverance would have its way so that you would become fully mature. And there are trials that are attacks from the enemy. So which one do you take? Trials without God will break you. Trials with God will make you. That you need to recognize what is from heaven and what is not so that you can partner and co-labor with God. Does this make sense? So if you need to feel like, man, where, where is that place? Where is that next step? You know, it, it involves shutting some things down, stopping for a second, and beginning to recognize, God, where are my, th- where are my thoughts off center from you? So why don't we just stand? You know, if you're here today, there's probably some thoughts that you need to let go of. There's probably, see, what happens is when we begin to have thoughts that are toxic, they they actually can form what the Bible will call a bitter root inside of us towards a person, towards an organization, towards a people group, towards a misunderstanding. And so right now, just put your hand on your head. We're just going to do a prophetic activation. And I want you right now just to give Jesus the keys back to your thinking and if there's any way that we have just let the enemy come and run wild, you know, oftentimes we will let our thoughts, our thoughts begin to take hold of us when we're tired. And so right now, like, we, we just need sometimes to recognize, have I let thoughts in in a tired moment that have stayed there and are growing and are living? So, Lord, right now we just give you permission just to remove, Lord, and to, to help us discern toxicity in our thinking, that we could actually have minds that are more renewed God, then this planet has ever seen so that the will of God can be manifest, Jesus, so that you would become known. Lord, that there would be no deceit in us so that the slightest breeze will launch us into intimacy with you. So right now, we just say, devil, any thoughts that you've planted into our brains are being dissolved right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we take our thoughts captive again, and we thank you for giving us the keys to that door and for, for, for situating us with you at the doorway of our thinking, God. And today, Lord, we just say, we just release redemption over our brains, redemption over our thinking, redemption, Lord, and restoration, Father, that our hearts will be connected with you and our thoughts. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that that with our renewed mind, Lord, you can do anything you want to through our lives as we recognize you, Jesus. 
So, Father, we love you, and we just give you access to that place again, and we thank you that we will quickly take thoughts captive before they take us captive, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Does anyone feel like there's just kind of like some, like a, almost like a crown, like some, the stuff that was sticking in there? Who physically is feeling something like stuff is, is, is coming off right now? Let's just raise your hand. If you physically feel like something's coming off right now, I feel like there's a few people in the room that you just need to like, to do the prophetic act of taking it and removing it, of taking it and removing it, of knowing that you have authority to remove stuff that just doesn't need to be there. Come on, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, uh, I want to let you guys know, uh, Pastor Jim is speaking at Zion Pickerington this morning, so he will be back next week. Uh, He's still pastoring this church, and so uh, we love Pastor Jim. He's been doing some traveling, but he's going to be back for a few weeks. He'll be back next week, and so uh, I'm going to have our our, uh, ministry teams come forward right now. If you're here today and you need a prophetic word, if you just need to jumpstart that thing or that revelation of God's thoughts towards you, come forward and let our teams pray for you and lay hands on you. Uh, if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I don't even know what that means, or it's been a long time since I've gotten a prophetic word, or I, I've never gotten a prophetic word that I know of, just come forward and allow our teams. These guys are trained to pray, for, to pray for you. God has nothing but good things to say about you. And so this morning, let our teams come forward and pray for you, and if you just want to jumpstart that journey. And so, Father, I thank you for today. I just thank you for the day that you've made, and I just bless you as God's people to go. And-